0: Good morning. I'd like to welcome you back to our third Anchored in the Word Morning reflection for the week. And if you could, let's all turn together to Luke chapter 11. We're reading verses 29 through 33 together, and we're building a progression as we work our way through this passage. And we're looking at lessons that we can learn from the folly of rejecting God's grace. And so on our first uh, episode, we talked an introduction about the fact that it is the grace of God that gives us access to truth, and we have a responsibility to do something with that truth that we're given. And then yesterday, we talked about the privilege that this generation of Jewish people who are contemporary to Christ had. Well, this morning, what I'd like us to do is I'd like us to look at the level of hardness that we see in these people. Maybe I even ask the question, why were they so hardened to the truth? having had so much access to it, and I think we need to learn from history. We should be sobered by it. So, here's what the text says, Luke chapter 11, verses 29 through 32. When the people were gathered thick together, he began to say, This is an evil generation. They seek a sign. There shall no sign be given it but the sign of Jonas the prophet. For as Jonas was a sign unto the Ninevites, so shall also the Son of Man be to this generation." The queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with the men of that generation and condemn them. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh shall rise up in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonas, and behold, a greater than Jonas is here. No man, when he hath lighted a candle, putteth it in a secret place, neither under a bushel, but on a candlestick, that they which come in May see the light. Now, as we read through these verses, one of the things that should really stand out to us is that this generation was not only uh, responsible for a lot, but they were very calloused and very hardened to the truth. And the level of this hardness is something that should sober us. He goes in verse 29, he says, That this generation is evil and they seek a sign, but there will not be a sign given to them, except the sign of Jonas the prophet. He says the queen of the south will rise up in judgment with the men of this generation. The men of Nineveh shall rise up in the judgment with this generation, and they will both condemn it. Now, what Christ is doing is he is, he is emphasizing the fact that rather than these people responding positively to God's gracious revelation of himself, these people rejected it. He's talking about how these people tried to trap him with questions rather than asking him questions to know the truth and digging into the parables and thinking about what they meant. Instead, they wanted to trap him and they wanted to make him look bad and they wanted to encourage the people to reject him. They attributed his miracles to the power of Satan. And I think this is an important piece for us to notice. They didn't deny that something miraculous had taken place. They simply attributed the cause, to something other than what should have been a correct understanding of the cause. It is God doing his work by his own power, not Jesus as an instrument of Satan. They were very dismissive of the witnesses that they were given. Rather than recognizing that this is true because this is demonstrated, and this is demonstrated, and this is demonstrated, and we don't need any other witnesses. Instead, they say, okay, show us another one. Okay, show us another one. Okay, show us another one. It's their way of saying... We're not willing to accept what you've given us. You need to give us more. You have to convince us and prove us, prove to us beyond any shadow of a doubt. And Jesus says, I'm not under such obligation. They ultimately hated him because they thought so little of justice. And ultimately, what did they do? They crucified Jesus. In Matthew 27, verses 22 to 25, we can see their hatred for Christ. their their carelessness about justice, the fact that they would crucify an innocent man, and they would try to twist justice. We see that in these verses. Listen to what it says. It says, Pilate said unto them, what shall I do with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all said unto him, let him be crucified. The governor said, well, why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more. They didn't say, well, here's what he did. They just said, no, crucify him. It was, it, was, it, was a, it was a raging mob who was not thinking clearly, wasn't trying to reason whether or not he was innocent or guilty. They just said, we want you to kill him. That's what they're doing. They said, let him be crucified. And when Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but rather the atonement was made, he took water, washed his hands before the multitude saying, I am innocent of the blood of this statement is amazing just person. He's righteous. He didn't break the law. He has done nothing worthy of death. And I know it, and you know it. But because I'm not willing to resist the mob, I'm going to wash my hands and say, it's off my conscience. It's on yours. And then the people said this, his blood be on us and on our children. What a stunning statement. What does it tell you? It tells you that these people were calloused. They were hardened. They were rebellious. They had so much opportunity and they had resisted it so long and so passionately that in fact they were desensitized to a proper understanding of what was right and wrong and what was just and unjust. These people had hardened themselves to the truth. And so the question we should all ask ourselves is, well, what would be an appropriate response for us to a moment like this in history? What can we learn from this history? I want to mention a couple things. One thing that we mention or that we can learn is that unbelief doesn't look the same in everybody. For some people, it was, well, why don't you show us a little bit more? Some people were shaking their fists and saying, crucify him. We want him dead. Other people, it was mocking him. Other people was being dismissive of him. Others, it was saying, show us more, show us more, show us more. With some people, was trying to trap him. With some, it wasn't denying what they had seen, but rather saying, oh, he's doing this by Satan's power. Unbelief doesn't necessarily look the same in every single person. It doesn't look as evil and sinister in every person. But at the core, it's fundamentally the same. The second is this. We should learn that visible, undeniable proofs are not enough to make someone believe the truth. There is an element to faith that has to go against the grain of our pride. For a person to say, I believe, they had to submit themselves to what Jesus' presence actually stated about them. They had to submit themselves to the reality that indeed they were sinners that they had broken God's laws, that they were incapable of coming to God through their own righteousness, that the system that they had embraced their entire life was wrong. They had to humbly admit all of those things. And to trust Christ, they had to put themselves unreservedly in dependence upon what he'd done for them. It was all or nothing. And so at the heart of unbelief is pride. What we need to learn from these verses is that the root of unbelief is not a lack of opportunity. It's not a lack of compelling reasons and facts. It's rebellion. It's pride. As it states it in other parts of Scripture, it's suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. It's God commanding all men everywhere to repent. It's the spirit of the Lord convicting the world of sin because they do not believe on Christ. And so this morning, I want to encourage you, if you are not a believer, that you would consider the evidence, weigh it very carefully, and humble your heart to trust alone in the finished work of Christ. If you are a believer, that as you walk into evangelistic opportunities, as you pray for the lost around you, look at people with clear eyes. Understand what is at the core of unbelief and pray that the Spirit of God would open the eyes of the blind, convict the hearts of the proud, and he would turn people to himself through the preaching of the gospel. May the Lord help us to apply these truths today. Have a blessed morning, and Lord willing, tomorrow we'll continue our study. Bye now.